0: All right, well, again, good morning and welcome to River Valley Church. Uh, Thrilled to see you here today. And once you know this, if this is your first time or if you've been coming uh, the last couple of weeks, perhaps you even know this. Uh, We're a church that is led by Rob Ketterling, incredible communicator, incredible pastor and leader. But uh, on an occasion, he will uh, give the reins to the campus pastors. Today is that day, and I'm honored by that privilege and the opportunity to share the word with you today. Want you to know this, though, too, if you're visiting and you're like, so wait a minute, do do you do the video? thing. I want to speak to that just for a second. We absolutely do the video thing. And, and people will say, well, how does that work out? I have found that if it's good teaching, I don't care how it comes to me. You can talk live to me. You can call me if it's good stuff. And uh, when you come out on a Sunday, I guarantee you this, you're going to get great stuff that is going to bring life change because of what God is doing and speaking uh, through the leadership. So just rest assured of that. And I'd even encourage you, man, if you've come one week, come a few weeks in a row. I, I sit here in the front. Row Row and uh, honestly, don't even realize that I'm watching a video because it's great teaching, and my life is challenged. So, uh, but today, again, excited about the opportunity to share. Um, hopefully, you guys had a great Fourth of July weekend. You're not quite ready to get back started yet, so let's not. Let's just enjoy church and enjoy our Sunday. Uh, but today, we're continuing our series on dangerous prayers. Uh, last week, Pastor Rob preached on uh, the first of those prayers: "Lord, not my will." But your will be done. And, and I really valued uh, not only the message, but the heartbeat of our leader. And, and what he said was this. You know, as a church, uh, we're known for a number of things. And, and one of them could be relevant teaching. One of them could be the beautiful buildings that we're building. But honestly, that's all great. Uh, but we want to be known as a church of prayer. A church that seeks Jesus, knowing that it genuinely is in him, it's for him, it's through him, that we do all things. Uh, So going in with that understanding, hey, we want to be a church that prays. Today we're going to take it a step deeper on our dangerous prayer series. And I want you to know this. uh, You might be wondering, dangerous prayers, okay, are these things that we're trying to keep you from praying? No, please capture the heartbeat of the message. These are actually prayers that are dangerous for you not to pray. You must be praying these prayers or you're going to miss out on all that God has for you. And today we're going to talk about the simple prayer, Lord, mold me. It immediately takes us deeper than a lot of other prayers. Because if you're anything like me, my prayers are are oftentimes exterior. Uh, They're focused on my finances. They're focused on my, my home and my family and the job situation. And they're focused on all these things. But a prayer, Lord, mold me, is focused on what's in here. And it immediately is dangerous because it's saying, God, I want you to have access into the deepest parts of who I am. I want you to shape me. I want you to mold me. Get where nobody else sees and do what only you can do. So it's absolutely a dangerous prayer, Uh, but it comes from uh, terminology about potters and clay. And uh, I want you to know this: this is a a theme that runs throughout uh, the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament. This idea of God being the potter and us being the clay. But to kick it off, I want to start in Jeremiah eighteen and uh, give you the text uh, that is kind of the springboard into this idea of God being the potter and us being the clay. And the prayer, Lord mold me. Uh, Jeremiah 18 verse 1. uh, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so also are you in my hand, O Israel. And I want you to know today that the potter is saying not just to Israel, but to you and I. Can I not mold you? Won't you let me mold you? Because uh, just so you know, theologically, I'll I'll use a word that I'm not going to unpackage today. Adoption. That when you and I call on the name of Jesus to be saved, we have been adopted into the family. So when you hear Israel, I want you to know that it applies to you. And the prayer today is, God, will you mold me just as you said to Israel? We want to say the same thing. And here's the deal. It's a dangerous prayer unless you fully understand who you're praying to. Unless you fully understand the potter. And I want to talk about that for a few, few moments. I want you to understand that the potter you're praying mold me to is an awesome, creative, powerful God who has done and can do anything he speaks or thinks. So once you to hear this, Isaiah forty four twenty four. 24, this is, these are some scriptures maybe you have or hadn't heard, but I feel like they so apply to the creator and who he is so that you can have confidence today that when you say mold me, you're saying it to somebody who can handle it. Uh, Isaiah 44, 24, 24. This is what the Lord says. Your redeemer and your creator. I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? Now, I don't know about you, but I love those kind of statements when God kind of just sticks out his chest a little bit. And he says, hey, who was with me when I was making this? It was just me. He does a similar thing to Job. But the point, I don't want you to lose it. He says, hey, I spoke all of this into existence. Every star you see, the heavens, the further out you go, I was a part of it. And the smaller you get, I was a part of that. And Nehemiah 9, 6 says, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all and the angels of heaven worship you get that picture of the creator the potter get that picture then he says okay listen i didn't just make the heavens i didn't just make the stars and make the earth i made you and psalm 139 verses 14 through 16 listen to this he says this you or david says you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I knew it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you understand who this potter is in your life? That before you were even in your mother's womb, he designed and crafted a plan for you. And I feel like I I love science because I do. I feel like the, the smaller science gets, the more it points to an awesome, amazing creator with such creative ability that it kind of just blows my mind. And then he says, oh, by the way, why don't you let me mold you if you would only pray or mold me? And see, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because, I don't know about you, I'm not like skilled in uh, pottery, okay? If you're a pottery person, I had somebody in pottery last service, and they're all like, hey, I'm, I'm in pottery, you were kind of right, you know, I was like, thank you, uh, that's great. I'm not a pottery guy. When I hear pottery, I immediately go back to those awkward sixth, seventh grade, like pottery class moments, um, where the teacher says, hey, could just draw something, and then we'll make it in class, and then we'll fire up the kiln, you know, and I remember drawing these beautiful pictures and all of us, we had these beautiful pictures. We, they would give us books and they'd say here, you know, you can, you could make this. And this is beautiful pottery. I remember those. And I remember then starting to work the pottery and be like, this looks nothing like the picture. It looks nothing like the picture. And I remember like a bunch of us, you know, we'd kind of fold it all in, you know, put a few notches in it, put it in the kiln and bam, Ashtray. (laughs) Come on, you know it's true. There are parents from the 80s who are like, I didn't smoke a, a single stick, but I got an ashtray. I got an ashtray. And see, I think what happens is if if we're not careful, we will never say mold me because we think God is some novice who can't handle who we are. And we forget that he created the whole thing, created you and I. And we should have the guts to say, why don't you mold me? If you can do all of this, you can handle what's in here. Mold me. You're not some sixth grade novice who's going to make an ashtray out of me. Seriously. You can tweak that if you want. It's great. Nobody will get it. (laughs) But seriously, we do that. And sometimes we even treat God like that. Like, God, why'd you make me like this? What'd you do? And I'll talk about that later. But it's like, seriously, do you think he he sat around and said, whoa, messed up on that one. Ashtray. (laughs) He didn't do that to any of you. And if he's that good and that amazing and that creative, who better to trust with mold me? So often I want to trust myself. (laughs) I'll mold me. I'll I'll handle this. Oh, really? I can't do it. I should not trust myself. Um, So do you see him as the artist uh, who made you or as the childish novice? Listen, he's the creator. You can trust him simply to say, mold me, mold me, make me who you want me to be. And then I want you to understand uh, as we progress that uh, what he actually desires to make of you and I. Ephesians uh, 2.10 says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I want you to know this. You've been masterfully created by an infinitely wise God, creative God, so that you can go out and do something only you were created to do. And to do it before the foundation of the world. He he designed you to do something. And then he said, Now, why don't you let me mold you? And I'm going to make in you, create in you, who I designed you to be so you could fulfill everything I ever called you to do. Listen, he knew beforehand what you would do. As he molds you, he develops you. And here's what happens: There's a confidence that comes when you're being molded by God. A confidence that rises up in you and that says, "You know what? I can do everything I was created to do." And I'll give you a personal example. I remember when we uh, when we finally opened up the building, you know, and I, and I, I remember just seeing that building in, in, in my heart and in my mind before we ever saw it uh, on the land. But then we had the building, and I remember thinking. Wow, this is a lot of vision. (laughs) There's a lot here. We want to fill seats. We want to change the city. And River Valley Church wants to plant 24 of them. This is a huge vision. I remember feeling the weight of that one day. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit reminded me of Ephesians 2. And said, do you think you got yourself here on your own plan? I remember the Holy Spirit just saying, listen, I created you for this. I made you for this. It's not how great you are. I made you for this. Get up and do exactly what I called you to do. Be exactly who I created you to be and trust that I did it on purpose and I can handle it. So today I want you to know this. God created you for a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is, but if you are sitting here breathing today, it's because an awesome, loving God fashioned you, formed you, and he's got plans for you that you may not even see yet. So let him continue to form you and walk confidently in who God made you to be. You may be at a job right now that you're like, I have no idea why I'm here, what I'm doing. Listen, be strong, be confident. It just may be that God has you for something right around the corner that you don't even see yet because he knows every day of your life and your story's not over yet okay so uh side note on that why have you made me this way come on going back to the ashtray thing how many of you ever don't raise your hand how many of you ever done that why did you make me this way why, why don't I have blonde hair instead of brown hair? Why is my hair straight? As a kid, that was it. It's like, oh, cool. All the cool kids get to shave their head and have hair going out this way. And I got afro. I did. Just poof. No matter what, I'm like, God, why'd you make me this way? I remember uh, a little older, um, I remember looking at the drummer. I love watching drummers worship because I can't do it. I seriously can't. I remember thinking, God, why did you make me like a cool drummer? Who looks, the hair's flowing, you know, he's banging, his head looks so cool. Why didn't you make me like that? Why'd you make me this way? And so often we focus on why God made us or didn't make us a certain way, and we forget how he made us and why he made us the way we were made. Uh, you know, again, to illustrate that, um, I literally like a lot of things, I love. I, I love a lot of things. I love golf. I love fishing. I love to try new things. I tried the World Cup. I liked it. I did it for years. I was like, oh, soccer. He. I hated it, and then I tried it. I was. I love soccer. I bought the T-shirt. Come on, I'm in. But here's my point. Until I learned to accept the fact that I wasn't a cool drummer, I couldn't fully grasp the fact that God in his infinite wisdom knew that I'd be pastoring people. And that when I meet people, I'm genuinely interested in whatever hobby because I like them all. <laughs> so if you're like total fake, he acted super interested in catching bass. Nope, I'm interested. And, I, and my point is, I love now that I've realized that God in his wisdom knew how to make me. I just want to encourage you. Have the guts to say mold me because he's an awesome creator, but he also knows what he made. He also knows why he made you the way you are with the skill sets you have, with the call, the giftings you have. Because he's called you to do it. He's created you to do it. So... Um, I want to encourage and challenge everyone in this room, though. If you've ever said, Why have you made me this way? I want you to turn that prayer into, How do you want to use what you've made? How do you want to use what you've made? I'm tired of saying, Why did you make me? If you're infinite and you created me, you must have had a reason. Help me to see what that reason is. So, we've looked at the Creator, we've looked at what He wants us to become. And I just want to talk uh, real quickly about the process of uh, him molding you and I. I want, to know, I want you to know the process actually begins in prayer. I think a lot of times we think prayer is just this kind of side note, and then we get on to the real living. I want you to know something. Prayer is what starts it all. Prayer is where you and God connect and you're talking to each other, and He begins to do the molding so that you can get on to the doing, so you can get on to what you were created to do. But prayer isn't a side note. Pri- prayer is what kicks it off. Prayer is what gets the thing going. That's why we want to be a church of prayer. We don't want to start off with our own ideas their own theories on how they should all work out. We want to seek God. I don't just trust myself or other people maybe to call me out. I trust the Holy Spirit to call me out. And it starts in prayer. Um, so praying molds me actually reveals your pliability. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm really tough on the, the whole clay thing, so I'm going to bring it to my world, Play-Doh. It's my world. Play dough and I know this The more lucy and I are playing with play-doh the 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 longer that play-doh stays pliable The more that we can push it make shapes and do different things the longer it stays pliable Once we stop using it something crazy happens to play-doh It dries up it gets crusty and we can't make a thing out of it It's like oh great gotta go buy some new play-doh because this isn't pliable anymore what prayer does is it says, God, take today, shape me, and mold me. Take today, shape me, and mold me. Mold me, mold me. You can keep molding me. You can keep speaking to me. I don't want to get hard. I don't want to get crusty. I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to get anything but moldable and pliable in your, your hands. So mold me. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> um, sorry about that. When we pray this prayer, we're telling God... He can do whatever he wants inside of us. When we pray mold me, you know what we're saying? You are God. I am not. Have your way. Do whatever you want to do in here. And what that does is it shows a humble heart. It acknowledges that you and I need to be molded. And here's the great thing. When you and I have humility before a maker, he exalts the humble. He, He lifts up the humble. He says, you know what? Brian gets it. This church gets it. That it's not their own power. It's not their own glory. It's not their own abilities. They get it. That it all comes from me. And I can shape and I can mold him. And I can use him for my glory. Because there's humility there. And they're not going to seek it. The glory. Uh, It also says you're trusting God with the results and not you. Again, that's the trick sometimes. Being able to say, you know what, God? Why don't you go ahead and mold me because I'm not going to leave that up to myself. I trust that you know how to get me to look the way you created me to look better than I do. Um, So I want to challenge you. Start with prayer. Um, I love this thought by Eugene Peterson who helped write the Message Bible um, on prayer. He says, we want uh, life on our conditions, not on God's conditions. Praying puts us at risk of getting involved in God's conditions. (laughs) Praying most often doesn't get us what we want, but what God wants. So I want to challenge us. Are we willing to trust an awesome creator who knows the plan for our lives to say, God, I want what you want, not what I want. Not what I want. So it starts with prayer, and then um, uh, it continues through a very uh, deep theological word that we don't use very often, but it's very real and it's very true. It's a word, uh, sanctification. See, being moldable and god molding you is actually what we call sanctification and i want to unpackage that for a second when you and i call on the name of jesus to be saved guess what we are a hundred percent right with god because of the cross because of the blood of jesus we celebrated recognized the cross today and we are made one hundred percent right with god it's called justification. You are just before an awesome God because He sees you through what His Son did. You are one hundred percent right with God. It's not it's not it's not the cross and. However Sanctification is the walking out of that 100% rightness with God. It's the becoming that you and I will encounter and experience every day if we're willing to say mold me until we see Jesus face to face. Because our position with God is holy. We're holy. But the process is going to last a lifetime for us to become like him, to become holy. And sanctification is that work. And I, I could illustrate it through artwork. Um, the reason for sanctification is so when people see you and me, they see Jesus. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a huge art collector. But like I said, I like everything. So I love art. Uh, but like if, you, if you look at an, an Andy Warhol, immediately you can tell that's an Andy Warhol. If you look at a Monet, um, there's a few other Impressionists, but more than likely you're going to be like, Impressionist, Monet. And you're going to be able to see based on the work. And and you're not going to say, wow, that is some awesome canvas. I just love the canvas they picked. You're going to see the craftiness and the handiwork of the artist. You and I are the canvas. And our goal is to be sanctified, to be molded so that people see the artist. And they say, man... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't see Brian. I see Jesus. I don't see I don't see a church with four walls. I see Jesus. And the goal is that you and I would become sanctified so that we would become more like him. So at the end of the day, when somebody sees the artwork that he's creating, they say, man, God is awesome. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, and there's two ways that God will sanctify you and I. The first way is this. He takes out what doesn't belong there. That's a painful one. <laughs> if you're going to say, mold me, I've got to warn you. Part of the danger in that prayer is you're saying, take out some stuff. Uh, if, you're, if you're dealing with clay, it's treading the clay. And it gets out the junk inside of the clay so that when the clay actually goes through the fire, it'll stand the test. So what God wants to do in you and I is remove things that are not like him. Okay, and we have a lot of scriptures, but I want to share one of them. Colossians 3, and I think it's 4 through 10, says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger. Get rid of rage, malice, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature... And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Listen, what you and I are getting in a passage like that, and a number of them. There are a number of passages like this. Is a blueprint on how the Holy Spirit will speak to you and I. See, it's not, I I wrote down, it's um, it's not legalism. It's likeness. It's not you trying to figure out how to be perfect before God. Your position is right with God. But if you want to look like Jesus, this is what you should do. There are jokes I will not tell. I will not laugh at. I will not participate in because I want to look like Jesus. There are things that I will do. I won't be greedy because it actually looks like I think I, I, Jesus can't handle me. Jesus can't take care of me. I've got to be greedy. And I've got to constantly think, do I look like him or not? So it's not legalism. It's likeness. Are we like Jesus in what we do? Um, so that's the first thing he does, and then I, I want I want you to know this though, sanctification isn't just like sin management. You ever you ever you ever tried to be a, a sin manager and that's all you do? It's like oh, I gotta get this right, I gotta get that right, and you're so focused on not sinning. Hey, I want to encourage you today. That's a part of the picture. Deal with it. Deal with the sin. Let God deal with it. But but that's only part of it. Getting something out is only part of it. Then he wants to equip you and send you out to do something. The whole point of Ephesians 2.10 isn't that we would be uh, his workmanship who all don't sin. Just stand around not sinning. We're his workmanship so that we can do what we were created to do before the foundation of the world. He's called you to do something serve, get involved, go on a global team, invite your neighbor take your, take your neighbor to coffee, do something, show Jesus to people. Do something and second uh, Corinthians 3:18 says uh, that the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image and, and it, it, to unpackage that it basically says the more you and I see God, The more we spend time with him in prayer, he reveals himself to us, the more we become changed. I would way rather spend time with God and let him change me than me try to muster up all the change. What are you doing? I'm changing. (laughs) Spend time with God. Get in his presence and his spirit uh, changes us. And I love how it says it it takes us. uh, An older version says it takes us from glory to glory. Glory. He wants to take you from where you are today to the next step, to the next step. So many times we're trying to think, well, God, what is your plan for my life as you're molding me? That's a big question. It's <laughs> a huge question. How about this? Take a step. Go from glory to glory. Seek him a little bit more today than you did yesterday. I just turned 38, which is it's weird. 38. I'm like, Am I, I don't know. Am I old? Am I young? I have a three-year-old. I feel, I feel young. I feel fine. But on day 30, or on the first day of my 38th birthday, I remember thinking to myself, and I, and I, I don't know, maybe it was a God word for my life. As I was thinking about my life, I remember thinking, I want day one of 38 to be the worst day. And every day after that, I want to grow. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow physically. I want to grow as a husband. I want to grow as a dad. And I want to be able to say, you know what? I, every day I'm going to make a decision. Every day I'm going to make a decision to grow in some area. I'm going to seek him in some way. And I'm going to grow. So that, you know what? Maybe, maybe day two to day three, there's not significant change. But maybe day three to day 30, there is. And maybe day 30 to day 150, there is. And God takes you from glory to glory to glory. I want you to know he wants to do that in you. And he he gives you a spirit to do it. Uh, As I I wrap up here, I want you to know he gives you a spirit to do it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want you to hear this. It is a fruit of the spirit. It's a fruit of just abiding in him. It's not a fruit of you trying harder to be this or that. It's a fruit of the spirit. But I want you to know this. This is why it's a dangerous prayer. Have you ever asked God for patience? Come on. Have you ever asked God for patience? What does he do? He's so faithful. He doesn't just bless you with patience. He blesses you with annoying people. Come on. It's true. I'm going to be real honest with you. Two weeks in a row, I'm like, God, make me 38. I'm going to be better 38. Cool. I'm going to put someone super slow behind you two weeks in a row on the way to church. Ah! (laughs) Everything inside of me. I'm like, seriously, how do you go from Waconia all the way up to this building? Just keep driving by 25 miles an hour. Because I asked him to ch- challenge and test my patience. And he did. And, and my, my point is this. If you have the guts to say mold me, he will. But a, but a potter, when he molds the clay, I, I did learn this in between services. So this is true. Uh, he, he throws the clay on the wheel. And, and it's called centering, actually. It gets it right where it needs to be. And then he begins to just push in that clay and push it and manipulate it. And, and, just, and until it slowly starts to take form and you're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. See, when you and I say mold me, we're giving him access to start pushing, <laughs> to start squeezing, to start shaping. And we've got to have the faith and the confidence that when we get squeezed by a loving, awesome God who made us, it's because he's making us more into his image so that we look like him. And that's a messy ashtray, but we look like him. And then we can function and do what he called us to do. See, the actual mold me prayer, it kind of lightens us up a little bit. You and I don't have to get perfect and fulfill God's plan for our lives. We need to say, mold me and he'll fulfill it. He'll lead us. He'll change us. He'll draw us. He'll stir us. He'll put us in the right place at the right time with the right people to do what only he designed to do in and through you. If you just have the guts to say, mold me, mold me.